Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS Kids. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. This week, we welcome Cody Clark from Louisville, Kentucky to the podcast. Cody is a 27-year-old professional magician as well as an autism self-advocate. He combines magic with comedy and storytelling to give a first-person perspective on what living with autism is like for him. He hosts a show titled A Different Way of Thinking and performs it across the country. Cody, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on, Jeff. I've been starting to do more podcasts, but I think you're the first autism-specific podcast, so it is an honor. Uh, we look forward to hearing everything that you have to share. And what I'd love to be able to learn right off the bat is I'd, the idea of entertaining, the idea of getting up there, being a magician. How did you get involved in magic? Well, I always wanted to be in some form of showbiz, but like a lot of our listeners probably have experienced everything you tried at first, you weren't necessarily good at, like singing, dancing, acting. Part of it was, of course, a kid's not going to be good at anything. And part of it is because of the motor skills issues affecting like the motor cords to sing and stuff like that. It was when I was 11 and went on a family vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama. We went to a magic show. I enjoyed it. And then the magician brought me up on stage and actually let me tap the blade into a sawing a lady in half illusion. <laughs> so believe it or not, Jeff, my first magic trick was sawing a lady in half. And of course, there's no going back there. That magician <laughs> doing that for me, I think that's why compared to the other things I tried, that's why I'm magic stuck. Because he showed me I could do it with practice. Yeah, and it, it gives you that chance, I imagine, is that you said, I want to be on stage. I want to be an actor. I want to converse and engage with people. Magic does that. It gives you that arena. Did you have this interest in, in illusions, in fantasy, in kind of that sort of craft beforehand or was this new to you when you got into that first trick of sawing the woman in half actually that's a good way you put it i was always magic intrigued they were my favorite shows to see at the state fair but i didn't make the middle connection this is stuff you can actually learn i thought it was sort of like hogwarts like of course i knew magic wasn't real but i thought it was hidden away where that magician in Gulf Shores, he was the first one that showed me, hey, if you like it, here's these books, here's this magic kit I happen to sell, that uh, that is something that you can train yourself to do. And that was such an obvious literal path for me that really appealed to my autistic brain. Yeah, and not that many people get to live their dream. And it, so you're one of the few out there, whether it's somebody who is autistic, or somebody who might characterize themselves as being neurotypical that has the chance to live their passion. How does that feel when you go into your work, your job, and every day is, this is the best day in the world. I get to do what I love. Mm -hmm. Well, in a lot of ways, it is indeed harder than taking the traditional path because you are indeed being your own boss. 
So it definitely is a lot of work, but the more I've learned to organize myself, the more I've let myself enjoy that success because I've got the systems going by now and I'm getting to practice, not just uh, hunt for gigs. And mm -hmm. uh, especially now that I'm going on the road more with the transition planning sessions. And since I've sort of combined magic with advocacy, I'm really, I'm really enjoying, I'm, I'm my mind is really starting to get that. My mind is yeah. like, oh, this is this is the culmination of everything you've worked for. This is the reward for all your hard work. Definitely savor it. Now, what what led you to combine those two, taking magic and advocacy and deciding to say, you know what, I'm going to immerse this. I want to I want to teach people what they're capable of and help to empower them. What what led you to to choose that route? Well, initially, it was only to get into a theater festival because there's a theater festival in Louisville. I applied to my traditional magic show and they're like, where's the story? Where's the characters? Where's the engagement? Come back next year when you have those. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is the story I have on hand. And I was just now coming to terms with being an adult autistic since I went through a phase in which I, I hid my diagnosis. But I was working through those issues at the same time I needed to write a production for a theater festival. So I decided to use my birth to present autism story as like the narrative line that I would hang my magic tricks on. And it went mm -hmm. so well there. And the promotion promoting to groups like yours went so well that that's uh, what led to my business model. Okay. And, and you know what? A lot of people have a presumption that the social engagement is something that can be challenging for a lot of autistics. But you chose a path and you chose a career where you are socially engaging. Quite frankly, you're socially engaging large crowds constantly. Wow. Is, this, is this something where you never had that challenge, where social engagement was never a challenge of yours? Or is it a challenge that you know I, I overcome on a daily basis because I want to get to my passion? Well, my therapist actually said I'm the only extroverted autistic he's met. And I bring that up because extroverted autistics do exist, but it's still extroverted autism. Like mm -hmm. we may, we, we desire to so, be so, more social than your traditional type of autism. But at the same time, while it's not as hard, it's more the endurance that's hard. Like the first two or three hours of a social situation, I'm fine, I'm myself. And then I start getting self-conscious like, Oh, how am I going to continue having things to talk about? The endurance, I'd say, is the more challenging part, the part that I'm having to refine every day, both with my therapist and with the other people that support me in my life. Yeah, it's nice to have that support system. But it also, it, you have that self-awareness, it sounds like, to be able to say, hey, you know what, this is, this is one area of my craft that I need to work on. And not all of us have that self-awareness. So that's probably a strength that you have that most people just don't have in their, in their repertoire all the time. What other strengths do you have that, you know, this is what makes me a great magician. These are some things, and maybe it's unique to autism, maybe it's not, but these are the qualities that make my act special. Well, the way I view my audience and my relationship with them is kind of analytical. So that really helps me refine what to change very precisely. And I have a good idea by now what most audiences really like to see. 
of course I do still have duds, but I think my analytical way of thinking, hey, 70% of the audience reacted to this, but 30% didn't. I think that's allowed me to do enough pre-work to where I consistently hit more and more and more. Okay. And and I know that magic is such a visual craft. Is there is there a specific magic act? Or is there a specific um part of your routine that you think, you know, this is this is my favorite thing to do? Or uh it, it could even be engaging others. You I know that you do advocacy work and self-advocacy work. Is that do you ever try and bring in other people onto stage with you that you want to empower? Actually, I'm doing that with the McBride Magic and Mystery School. This also answers your other question because they teach me what's called stage manipulation magic. Jeff McBride is a famous magician that's out of Las Vegas, and he did like the finger flicking with the cards, the coins, the uh, small multiplying balls, the linking rings. That's my favorite type of magic that I learned from him because it's very knacky. It's very skill-based. It's like magic's equivalent of a guitar solo. But with them, my newest project with them is we're doing next month the Inclusivity and Diversity in Magic Conference, a conference just on uh, the history of minorities and magic. So I brought on my friend Graham Maupin, who lives in Louisville, too. He has cerebral palsy, and he's one of the best magicians I know because he has to adjust all the methods out of the book for the fact he really only has one functional hand. And then uh, I'm trying to... Autumn Morningstar is a Native American magician, and she's doing a talk on all the nuances of Buffalo Bill as it relates to Native American history. And then uh, there's an entire panel on trans magicians. So that I'm really excited about being a part of that because we're highlighting magicians that are outside the norm alongside the ways I'm outside the norm. And just hearing your passion and knowing all of these people who are out there influencing your craft, I can I can hear it in your voice. This is this is something that's exciting. And I mean, is there is there a part to and this is my naivety of magic, but it sounds to me like magic is something where you have to be very precise. You have to practice. You have to know that routine and you have to do it again and again and again the right way for the trick to have its value. Is there is there any part of that routine building or anything like that where somebody who's analytical or maybe is more about the precision of everything going the and doing it in a routine that that makes you a better magician? Uh, yes, because I'm, as I'm sure you know, people with autism really like repetition, which makes really makes magic a good fit because the practicing and even the show is all about repetition. A lot of people would be bored having to practice the same thing every day. I'm not, and the other magicians on the autism spectrum, I know they aren't either. So it helps in that way. And then also, like I kind of said earlier, it helps with those small tweaks and minor changes that everyone, they may go on notice to 75% of the audience, but uh, we focus on the 25% that do notice that until that dwindles to zero. Yeah. And I mean, just knowing that you have this skill set and knowing that, you know, I I don't get bored doing this again and again has got to make it so that when you're doing your tricks is that they are, they're clean, you know what you're going to get. And that's got to feel good. Are there other things that 
magic has taught you over time that have helped you in other walks of life um, at, at understanding who who it is that's your audience or being able to look and change the way you're engaging with people based off of seeing their reactions. Are there other skills that maybe you have learned from magic itself? Yeah, you're right. It taught me to listen because up until then I was more uh, stereo I was more of the autism stereotype of the conversations all being one way. But my parents noticed magic, especially in comparison with my older hobby trains, that since you have to socialize in order to do a magic trick, they noticed that changing and, and things becoming more of a back and forth than they were when I mostly stuck to the basement playing with my trains. Although I do still play with them now, I'll add. <laughs> you know what, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with maintaining those hobbies. I, was, I have so many things that I've learned to enjoy over my course of my life that they're never going to leave me. These are things that I love to do. So whether it's magic trains or anything else, it's that's what that's what brings the joy of life is having these extracurricular hobbies. Um, well, tell me a little bit, um, Cody, about the transition to adulthood is that, I mean, you are an independent adult magician right now, and um, you're also probably an inspiration to a lot of people who want to get up there and put themselves out there and demonstrate to the world that you can excel, not just participate, but excel at what you do. Um, how do you how do you advocate for others or how do you share your transition to adulthood experience because i know that's a big part of what you're doing for the community well that has been my latest pivot in my career and it came about entirely as a result of the pandemic after the pandemic shock wore out a lot of educational cooperatives in kentucky were like hey, this is the need that's emerged. Uh, we need to transition high schoolers to adulthood, even though they're stuck at home and unable to have the social and the social gathering opportunities you would have had otherwise. Can you come up with something? And what I came up with, I call my roster of adult transition planning talks. And that includes different way. That includes revealing the secrets behind essential skills, which is the core life skills one, one on self-employment and whether or not it's right for you. And then the newest one is on community engagement and discovering hobbies. So through those, usually it's an educational cooperative or a human development institute out of college. They'll uh, bring in high school age to uh, late college age uh, disabled students and they'll watch these talks with me, whether they're on Zoom or in person. And I'll mentor them as much as I can within those sessions on all those different areas. That's such a wonderful service that you're providing. It's uh, hearing somebody talk about any sort of life change or transitioning or taking on responsibility. It doesn't hit home the same way until you know that somebody has experienced maybe your transition or the way that you have seen life in the lens that you've seen it. So the fact that you're doing this as a self-advocate is so valuable to the community around you. Do you ever hear back from those that you've mentored that, you know, they took a risk, they went out into the job world, or they um, engaged in something like you did, where I'm going to go and, and start an entertainment act, or they decide I'm going to start new relationships. Do you hear this from the people that you've mentored? Are there any cool stories of successes? 
Oh, I do because of social media nowadays. A lot I do keep in touch with a handful of them that follow me around on Instagram, Facebook, and nowadays TikTok. And in particular, I keep in touch with Joey Travolta Film Camp, my engagement in Pittsburgh, in which it's John Travolta's younger brother, Joey, who is a special ed teacher who teaches uh, disabled students how to enter not just uh, the job market, but the showbiz job market. I see the short films they make. I see some of them actually end up moving to LA and it's all really exciting to me. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Hey, where where could I see anything like, I mean, this, these are the things, whether it's your show, which I'd love to be able to kind of, and I would imagine right now, maybe they're not live, but there's visuals for it or other ways that I can kind of see the entertainment world of the autism community being out there and putting themselves uh, on stage. I, where are there, are there places I should be searching? Are there, how do I see your act? Well, actually, that's a good question. There probably should be a standard database because there is a handful of uh, autistic entertainers out there. But as of right now, it is a little scattered. I can say Joey Travolta Film Camp, go to inclusionfilms.com. And I think there are little snippets of some of the films on there. Mm -hmm. I'm at CodyClarkMagic.com. And I'm trying to get better at updating the tour page. But I'll update the tour page with both in-person dates. And then oftentimes I'll do the show for libraries. And that's usually if you want to see it on Zoom or you want to see the recording of it, uh, going there and seeing my next library date or the library that's chosen the recorded version and just has it on there. That will like, that will show you the free opportunities to see a different way of thinking. Oh, that's, uh, that's amazing. And I am definitely going to go there because I'd love to be able to see you doing the act live. And, and actually, hopefully, you'll be able to get out there in person. Is there something that you've had to do differently is all of our jobs have changed so much because of COVID and because of having to do virtual sessions. It sounds like you pivoted your career path slightly, but is there something that you are able to do now? Are you doing more videos? Um, are you still able to get the engagement from people in the audience, even though they might not be physically there through the screen? Is there ways that you've still been able to engage people in magic right now? virtually? Well, the biggest thing is I did not have a home studio before. I have a home studio now. And that's been so re revolutionary because I can do Zoom shows. I can maintain that offering. I can do the TikTok social media videos. Uh, it's become so useful all around. I'm not taking down the studio anytime soon. Mm, and, and in order to be able to help people access your show, um, especially those in the autism community, because you have tailored this self-advocacy you're trying to empower. So you want a diverse audience. That's got to cost extra funds. Is there ways that uh, people can help support, whether it's helping to resource for um, sensory friendly events or being able to contribute uh, via social media to be able to highlight what you're doing for the community. Is there ways that we can do this? Uh, I'm, re I'm researching different options right now. I, it's not launched yet, but I am considering a Kickstarter, especially if there is enough interest or early commitment. My email is info at CodyClarkMagic.com. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I'd love to donate, uh, email me. And then if I get like about five or 10, I'll go ahead and launch that. 
Yeah, mainly what I need the funds for is sensory-friendly magic shows because with transition planning, at least 75% of the time, the funds are there. It's the sensory-friendly magic shows, and that's where I go into a, an adult daycare or an autism day school and share my show with them. And that's those are the funnest shows to get to do because not only am I adjusting for the senses, but it's not a different way of thinking. It's I don't have a story, so I can experiment too. It's my artistic yeah. playground. That's usually where the budget issues happen because those schools have so much other places to, to spend money. Yeah, and what you're doing for the community, I think that it it highlights the fact that you you can be, you can think differently, you can engage differently and be successful. And I think more people need to hear that story and feel confident to be out there. Do you have words of advice for the next Cody Clark that's out there, the next child that's thinking, hey, you know what? I want to do, I want to live my dream. I want to do what the world is offering me, but I'm scared to do it because I think I have a limitation. What is your words of advice to that individual? Say my big advice comes from another special interest of mine, classic country music. There's a saying within the old school country world that all you need for a country song is three chords and the truth. And what that means is you don't have to be the best uh, technician at whatever it is that you do. You just have to know enough to get on stage and then more importantly, combine it with what's on your heart and mind. And that's what impacts people. Not that you're as good at cards as Jeff McBride or not that you can slash the guitar really good, but that you bring what you know and really put your heart into it. That is really all you need to get a good message across. Hey, it's wonderful advice. And the the fact that you don't have to appease everybody and feeling confident being yourself and getting out there and just having fun doing what you love. I think that's what makes us all great. So Cody, I appreciate you coming on the show today. I appreciate hearing the story and I suggest to everybody, not only go check out your magic, but utilize this, this wonderful service that you're providing on this, on this transition planning. Um, because hearing it from your voice, it resonates so much more than just reading it in a book or seeing it in a text. It's, I can see that the passion is there and that the successful path is there for everybody. So thank you so much. Anytime, if you wanna learn more about the transition planning, sensory friendly shows, or just want to uh, say hi, go to codyclarkmagic.com. There's pages for the shows, for the speaking, and then my contact info to email me. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.